Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. Every day on Fear and Greed, we recommend listeners get professional advice before making investment decisions. It's something I truly believe in because unless you're an expert yourself, a financial advisor is going to be in the best position to look at your personal circumstances and help you make good objective decisions. But how do we make that professional advice more affordable and accessible while maintaining the calibre of advisors in the industry? Sarah Abood is the Chief Executive of the Financial Planning Association of Australia. Sarah, welcome to Fear and Greed. Thanks very much, Sean. I know why financial advice is so important. Can you tell the, all our listeners why it is so important? It's a bit <laughs> of a Dorothy Dixer. It, it is. But look, financial advice is really critical in the modern world. You know, it's just too complicated to do a lot of this by yourself. If you look at the CIS Act, if you look at the Tax Act, you know, trying trying to navigate these things is, is just very difficult for the average Australian. But I think it really boils down to you're better off if you see a financial advisor. And there is a lot of research and a lot of proof that that is the case. And it's not just that well-off people see financial advisors, it's also that people who see financial advisors are better off. And, and look, there's so many studies, Sean, that prove that. We did a recent study of financial planning clients late last year, and the stats were just, you know, out of this world. You know, people believed that seeing a financial advisor certainly made them better off, but it also improved a lot of other things about their life. They said that seeing a financial advisor had helped their family life, it even helped their mental health. So the benefits can be well beyond just getting in control of your finances. Okay. So I mean, when I think of a lawyer, I need a lawyer for wills, for example, and some of sort of legal work. Accountant, I kind of understand why I need an accountant. When do you need a financial planner? Where do they sit in that spectrum? Well, look, we'd say the earlier the better because a good financial planner is is like a good coach. They can get you set up in the right way and make sure that you're making the right decisions for your life. But often people will seek financial advice when they have a particular trigger or a particular change in their life that, that really makes them start thinking about these things. And, and those triggers are often a job change or a redundancy. They might be getting married. They might be getting divorced having a child, starting to think about retirement, you know, it's, it's often those sorts of life triggers that lead someone to seek out a good financial advisor. It's kind of a good point. I've sat in the same office. We shared office space with a financial advice firm. And I remember when share markets tumbled, their phones ring nonstop, yeah. often, often not nice phone calls. But, you know, just in times like we've seen in the last 12 months, sort of post-COVID, but with markets falling, do financial planners get busier? Yes, look, I think you're right, Sean, that, that people have a natural concern if they see their balances going down, if they see the share market very volatile, they see inflation spiking up. You know, it's natural to to want to talk about that and to want some reassurance from someone who really knows what's going on. And it's certainly the case that financial advisors will be getting more calls from clients right now. Just checking in, I think that their investment strategy is still right for their needs and it still fits for them. Okay, so let's come to the cost of financial advice and legislative changes over the last 10 or 15 years has certainly not helped the industry attract uh, clients, often because people don't want to pay upfront fees. Now, Sarah, I've got to say upfront, I actually believe in commissions. I think they provide an incentive that works the right way. 
but many financial planners can't charge incentives under legislation. How do we fix all this mess where people actually don't think it's prohibitive to go and pay money to a financial planner? Yeah, look, Sean, it's certainly the case that financial advice is a lot more expensive than we would like it to be. The sorts of numbers that we're seeing now, they've gone from sort of 3500 on average a year or so ago to now being north of $4,000, and that, that's a decent chunk of cash for a lot of us. A big part of the reason why the price is going up is because of the regulations that have changed so rapidly and so many of them particularly in the last three years, the compliance cost to run an advice business and to give a piece of advice to a client has become rapidly more in in the last couple of years. So we're working with uh, the government, which is instituted and, and is running a review called the Quality of Advice Review. And that review is intended to find ways that we can get more affordable advice to more consumers and that that advice has got to be of good quality and in the interests of consumers. And a big part of the initial recommendations that we've seen, we haven't seen the final recommendations yet, but the ones that we've seen so far, we think would go a long way towards helping get those costs down by reducing all the red tape and compliance that that goes into generating advice. So what are some of those recommendations that you've seen? Well, one example is that advisors disclose their fees potentially up to nine times now in the first year that you engage an advisor. And no one would contest that it's really important that you understand exactly what you're paying and from whatever source. But nine times is getting a bit ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So the the quality of advice review is recognising that there's some duplication in the current laws and it does propose that some of those documents no longer be required. As I said, that doesn't mean that consumers won't still know exactly what they're paying. They will, but they won't see that, that information repeated over and over and over again. The other big change that this review is proposing, at least in its interim changes, are that the document called a statement of advice, uh, that its legislated elements be repealed or, or not be required anymore. So this is a document that anyone who's engaged a financial advisor would be familiar with. Um, it, it's always been pretty long, but recently many of them have gone over 100 pages. And that's a lot of information to wade through if you've just asked your financial advisor, oh, should I, should I put extra money in, into my mortgage or should I put more money in super or, you know, some sort of fairly simple question like that. So the, the amount of documentation and, of course, clients pay for the cost of producing all this has just gotten well out of proportion to what is really required for a consumer to make a good decision. So we're really pleased that the review is recognising this. And, and as I said, at least in the interim proposals, it's looking at winding that back so we can start to get that cost down. Stay with me, Sarah. We'll be back in a minute. My guest this morning is Sarah Abood, CEO of the Financial Planning Association of Australia. Is there a system whereby people of moderate income at best can get financial advice and we can still have a financial planning sector which is sustainable? I mean, it's all great to complain about the advisors charging too much, but they're running a business here. So how do we get a system where people who may earn seventy dollars or $80,000 can afford a financial advisor? Yeah, look, that, that's tricky, Sean, and, and this is probably the core question that the review is trying to address, is is it the case that, that we should be able to make 
typical financial advice that's provided by current financial advisors more affordable to the extent that someone in that that kind of fairly classic middle Australia segment can afford it. Look, that's certainly our goal. We believe that we can get there or get very close by radically reducing the red tape. But we also need more people who can provide advice. Right now, there's less than 16,000 advisors in Australia. And with a working age population of about 16 million, I think it's just a bit north of that. Those numbers are just not stacking up right now. So we're, we're looking to increase the numbers of financial advisors who are out there and available to service our consumers. That's a really big goal of ours. What about the professionalism of the industry? A criticism of it over many years is that uh, financial advisors don't have enough formal training. Now, I don't have a view on that, Sarah, one way or another, and I totally agree that we need more advisors in the market that'll actually push down the price for middle Australia to be able to access as well. So all those things. But how do we make sure, I mean, at the end of the day, I want to make sure whoever I'm going to is okay. I'm not worried about a uni degree. I just want to know that they're doing what they say they're going to do. Oh, look, absolutely. And and it's really, really important that anybody check that the person they're dealing with, the person they're taking financial advice from is registered to provide financial advice. That's really easy to do now because there's a Find a Planner website on the Financial Planning Association. You can find a planner who's a member of our professional association. You can also go to ASIC's Money Smart website and you can look up your advisor there and see if they're registered and qualified to provide financial advice. And a lot has changed in that area, Sean, particularly in the last three years. So for people becoming financial planners now, they're required to have a university degree and that tertiary degree has to be in financial planning specifically. All financial planners also are doing 40 hours a year of continuing professional development and they've all passed a tertiary level exam in ethics as well. So those changes I, I think are such that we we absolutely refer to financial planning as a profession and consumers should absolutely have confidence in a qualified registered financial advisor. Okay, I can't let you go, Sarah Abood from the Financial Planning Association without mentioning the merger of your organisation with the Association of Financial Advisors. Where's that up to and what's it mean for the industry? Yes, well, it's a big day for us today, Sean, because just before we started talking, we we hit the button on our notice of meeting to members. That's exciting. So we've just sent the information. We've actually been in member consultation on this proposed merger since the 1st of September last year. So we've been getting a lot of questions, a lot of feedback from members, and we've built all of that in to these final papers that have gone out. Look, we think this is just really important for our profession. We want to build a united voice for financial planning and and a singular association that can really represent financial planning to consumers and the public and also to the government so that we're able to to bring our point of view together and and really talk about consistently what it is that financial planners can do and how do we help consumers. So we're really excited about that. The vote will be on the 28th of February and I'm crossing my fingers and crossing my toes and everything that we will get the required majority, which is 75% of votes, in order to achieve that merger. That was going to be my last question, but I might have to have another one. Did you think government fully understands the challenge for the industry? Oh, look, I I think they do. And and interestingly, Sean, I think both sides of politics are well aware of it. So the quality of advice review that I mentioned earlier was actually instituted by the coalition government in the last term. And the current Labor-led government have continued that 
that review and continued with the reviewer. So I think there is a good understanding by government that we need to get the price of good financial advice down. We need to make great financial advice available to more consumers. So that's really pleasing. Sarah, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thanks so much, Sean. That was Sarah Abood, Chief Executive Officer of the Financial Planning Association of Australia. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.